Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Very good morning to you. Tuesday morning as we welcome you along to the programme. John Paul taking your calls at 1850-333-103. You can text your WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And once again, a huge thank you to all the truly inspirational ladies who joined us yesterday on the programme for our very special programme to celebrate International Women's Day. I really enjoyed uh, the programme. It was lovely and uh, got some lovely feedback and people enjoyed listening to various different uh, aspects of of our guests yesterday and actually Christy has been on saying I listened to the repeat of your programme uh, last night and two standout inspirational women for me are Cork's Joanna Reardon and boxer Katie Taylor. They, Kate, Katie Taylor they both have faced and have overcome major challenges in their lives in different ways they both ooze personality and positivity and are two real gems totally unassuming kind regards and that's from Christy I agree with you wholeheartedly uh, Christy and Joanne Reardon has often joined us on the programme actually we had her on the programme didn't we when I was celebrating the 30th year the 30th anniversary of the programme on air back in November she's always a joy to interview as well and yes I agree she is truly inspirational as is uh, Katie Taylor I'm trying to think have I ever interviewed Katie Taylor I think maybe back in the early days of her boxing career I certainly haven't spoken to her in the last number of years but you're right she is truly inspirational but once again my thanks to all of the women who took time out to join me yesterday on the programme and because Monday's programme wasn't a normal Cork Today as show we've pushed over Annalise Drissel's nutritional slot and she's going to be joining us today about 20 to 12 quarter to 12 or thereabouts so if you have a question for Annalise you can get it into us today I know there was some in the middle of all the texts coming in yesterday I could see some questions coming in for Annalise people not realising she wasn't going to be on with us yesterday so if you want to resend in those questions please do you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103 or you can give John Paul a call at 1850 333103. Also looking for your thoughts and comments on the Prince Harry, Meghan Markle, Oprah Winfrey interview that we finally got to see in its entirety last night. And of course, it had aired on CBS in the States on Sunday night while we were all in our beds. So yesterday there was a lot of information coming out of what was said in the interview but last night was our first opportunity to sit down and watch the whole interview from start to finish and I have to say there were parts of it that absolutely were jaw-dropping and I think even to see Oprah Winfrey's reaction 
and there isn't a lot that would shock that woman. She's done so many fantastic interviews over the years, but you could actually in one part see her jaw drop. It was a brilliant interview. I mean, the woman is a genius at uh, what she does. And according to a lot of the tabloids today are saying that the British royals were paralysed with horror and dismay last night as Prince Harry stood accused of blowing up his family with his bombshell interview. Now, there had been talks yesterday that none of the royal family were going to watch it and that instead they would have members of the household watching it and then they would brief the senior members as to what was said and what wasn't said. But my gut instinct tells me there was a lot of people sitting around televisions in in Buckingham Palace, including senior members of the royal family. Now, Queen Elizabeth, Prince Charles and Prince William all it seemed locked in crisis talks yesterday over how to react to what is seen as a string of incendiary accusations unleashed by Harry and his wife uh, Meghan during the two hour special with pressure growing for a statement today royal insiders described a mood of intense personal shock and sadness that the prince had pressed what some are saying is the nuclear button on his own family many are saying that uh, the people People within Buckingham Palace are just reeling from the interview. The couple's interview on CBS late on Sunday night sent shockwaves around the world yesterday as the couple laid bare the extent of their rift with Queen Elizabeth and other senior royals. Even though I think their relationship with Queen Elizabeth came out quite well, they seem to have nothing but kind words to say about Queen Elizabeth. Can't be the same said for all of the other senior royals. I think Prince Charles came out pa- quite bad. And definitely the relationship with his brother, Prince William, is certainly very, very fractured. They, of course, the big bombshell was they accused an unnamed royal family member of racism, suggesting that the relative had asked how dark their baby would be. Uh, said that they had been driven out of Britain in part by racism and accusations of the palace machinery of failing to support a suicidal Meghan. I mean, to me, they were the two stand-up moments. The colour, what colour will the baby's skin likely to be? How dark is the baby's skin uh, likely to be? Does it matter? And the other one was the reaction when here was a young woman, a young pregnant woman, who had definitely had uh, suicidal thoughts and just wasn't getting, it was almost like she was being told, stiff up her lip, dear. That's what we do here. We, you know, we're not going to show any kind of weakness. And if you're going in to go in for any kind of care, that would show weakness. That to me was truly, truly uh, shocking. As I say, I don't know whether the royal family will make a statement or not. They don't have to. Buckingham Palace doesn't have to. It is expected that they will. But how they're going to make a statement from this and how they're going to justify it, how they're going to defend it, I don't know. It will be interesting to see if they do make a statement, uh, what exactly it will be. And of course, the big one is going to be how many people actually sat down to watch that programme last night both in Ireland and in England and indeed across the world. The figures are already out for the United States and it seems 17 million people sat down on Sunday night to watch it on uh, CBS so we await now for the worldwide uh, figures but I was taking a look yesterday in advance of watching the programme last night to see what are the list of most watched television interviews both in America and here in Europe. Now all of them I think bar one are all in America and these would have been the worldwide uh, figures. The top five most watched television interviews to date. In fifth place is the Bill and Hillary Clinton 
interview that was conducted by Steve Croft that was back in January of 1962. 40 million people sat down to watch that. In fourth place, it was the David Frost interview with Richard Nixon, an interview that was simply called Nixon Talks. That was in 1977. 45 million people watched that. In third place, the Diane Sawyer interview with Michael Jackson and Lisa Marie Presley that was that shortly after they got married. That was in 1995. 60 million people watched that. In second place, it was Barbara Walters interviewing Monica Lewinsky. Remember that name? That was back in March of 1999. 70 million people watched that. And the most watched television interview to date. Now, whether it will get topped by the Meghan and Harry one, I don't know. But the most watched, the interview was conducted by Oprah Winfrey. And who was she interviewing? Michael Jackson. And that was in February of 1993. That's the the top one. And in case people are wondering, is the Princess Diana, the famous Martin Bashir interview of Princess Diana, is that in there? It is, but it didn't come into the top five. It was the sixth most watched interview. 23 million people. It was kind of a long way off. The next one was the Bill and Hillary Clinton at 40 million. So as I say, at the moment, it's, it's Oprah on top with Michael Jackson. Will she replace herself with the Megan and Harry one only time would tell. But your thoughts uh, welcomed if you did uh, watch it last night. Somebody says, uh, Patricia, Megan and Harry are a very brave couple. I wish them well and uh, happiness. I think it was brave to do what they they did. Was it a bit of almost like Hell Hath No Fury, like a woman scorned, but this time Hell Hath No Fury, like a couple scorned? Was there a bit of revenge in there or did they do it purely to say this is our story, this is our truth and we want to get our truth out? I, I, I was torn between the two. I felt watching it that that's what it was. It was them getting their truth out. There's been so much lies written about this couple that they felt they had to do it. And then of course the other argument is they've left the royal family because they wanted to get away from the media and they want to live this quiet life which they're entitled to do in the States and if that be the case why then do they go ahead and do this very, very explosive interview? Because if anything, the focus now, the spotlight very much on them. Some of your thoughts coming in on the Harry Meghan interview last night. Some calls into John Paul Nancy in Bantry said to me watching it, I thought it was a young girl who didn't get her own way. She was on about her son not getting the title of Prince. I just feel this is this is only one side of a two-sided story. She knew what she was getting into, Nancy felt, and then for Harry to say he wasn't happy because his allowance was cut, it seems they wanted it both ways. They wanted their cake and to eat it. If I was a member of the royal family, I don't think I would comment at all. The whole world has gone crazy with the pandemic and we're watching that rubbish. The Queen has enough to be looking after her own family. Well, I know I read in the paper this morning that the Queen is a huge admirer of Leonardo da Vinci and it was Leonardo da Vinci who famously said that nothing strengthens authority so much as silence. So it is very possible that the Buckingham Palace will decide to say nothing even though we know there's high powered meetings going on today uh, as to how they're going to uh, how they're going to deal with the fallout from the interview. Deirdre said I watched that interview last night. I feel they were honest 
as a couple about the situation and they have now that they have now clearly left behind I feel they will make a successful simpler life for themselves and their family and the senior royals will do what they always do they'll pull on the stiff upper lip and they'll carry on it will be a nine day wonder Hi Patricia I watched the interview with Oprah I didn't think Oprah went deep enough when asking Meghan about her own family and her own family's uh, issues she had so many issues with her own family she just touched on everything that was going on with her dad and that was it her dad spoke on TV this morning it was a very interesting chat says Mary from Mallow Hi Patricia I admire Harry and Meghan for coming out is it not history repeating itself with Princess Diana and also Princess Margaret the Queen's own sister who lived a life dictated by the royals it's 2021 the royal family seniors need to come into this century hopefully when William becomes king things might be less stiff upper lip and less controlling and Meg says Harry and Meghan got out on time but to strip Harry of everything particularly his security was for me the very worst and then a West Cork listener says brave question mark question mark they got paid six million dollars for the interview they didn't actually and that was clearly stated at the start of the interview and both Oprah and Meghan and Harry are pains to point out they received zero, no money. They didn't even, I think there was an offer at one stage, I, I read over the weekend, for money to one of their charities and they refused that. They didn't in any way want the interview to be tarnished by people saying, actually, they only did it for money. They didn't do it for money. Anyway, let me go back to your text. This sister says she's an actress who is very comfortable showing different emotions on screen. Does Harry have blue blood in him? Anyway, who wouldn't love to live a life of utter luxury in California? I don't feel bad for them. They have their own very affluent future, very well planned. They will never want for anything unlike the rest of us sigh. Rant over for now and that is from a West Cork listener. All of this Harry and Meghan bombshell in inverted commas interview is only a distraction from what's happening within the royal family with another member i.e. Prince Prince Andrew and the paedophile network and Epstein and all of uh, that. Uh, that's uh, the media seem to be conveniently ignoring all of this. And I should have to say it was one of the things I saw Prince Andrew started trending over the weekend when all the attention was going on Prince Harry. People were saying, well, what about Prince Andrew? Why is nobody talking about Prince Andrew? So I think a lot within, certainly within social media, there's certainly a lot of talk about uh, Prince uh, Andrew. And Liz says this uh, history was repeating itself with Harry and Meghan. I thought after Diana died that the British tabloids would have at least copped on but no Harry and Meghan were outshining William and Kate says uh, Liz and that's why everything turned wrong for them and they actually touched on that when they said when Harry and Meghan said everything seemed to be fine at the start but when they went away on one of those tours similar to what Diane and Charles had done when they went to Australia all those years ago and all of the spotlight was there too much spotlight on Megan was she doing the job too well which is really what Paul Diana was accused of as well 1850 John Paul taking your calls you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group want great advice you know who to talk to CMIG 
C103.ie. Now, with a promise that nothing is off limits during the two-hour interview with Queen of Talk show, uh, Oprah Winfrey, Meghan Markle and her husband, Prince Harry, opened up on what life was really like for them as members of the British royal family. To discuss this explosive interview, I'm joined by Melanie Finn, who is entertainment correspondent with the Irish Independent. Good morning to you, Melanie. Hi, how are you doing? Oh, I'm very well, and, and you're welcome to the programme. Um, Prince Harry has been accused in some of the papers today of blowing up his uh, family. Was Has he blown up the family with a bombshell interview? Well, he certainly hasn't done it any favours. I mean, talk about a bombshell. You know, he literally, Salve and Meghan literally lobbed a verbal grenade into the careful constructed image that the royal family has and he just blew it apart. Um, I think I think it's a really hard one. I think it appears quite clearly that there's a transatlantic divide here. You know, in the States, they have a huge amount of support and sympathy um, for how they were treated during their marital, marital time in the UK, whereas in the UK, it's a lot more mixed. A lot of royalists are extremely unhappy with a lot of the comments that were made during the course of the interview. I think... I think watching the whole thing in full, it's very apparent that they were extremely hurt um, by the way that they were treated, um, by how they were perceived to be treated, especially when she was pregnant with Archie and there was that remark made, you know, in relation to the concerns about how brown his skin would be. That's a horrific thing to say to, to anyone, let alone someone who's pregnant with their first child. Of course, we don't know who said that. And um, he was quick to clarify to Oprah afterwards um, that it was neither Her Majesty the Queen or the Duke of Edinburgh, um, his grandfather. So, Is you know, it worse for the royal family that yeah. we don't know who it was and all the speculation now as to who it could be? Is it wrong? Sorry. No, is, 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 is that worse for the royal family? Because everyone now is speculating as to who it was actually said it. I know, yeah. It's even worse now. There's like a witch hunt as you yeah. could have said such an inappropriate comment. I, I wouldn't even just focus in on that. Um, I think the bigger picture is there's a lot of lessons for the royal family to learn on this. It's not just in relation to that Harvey racist comment. It's also about Meghan Markle complaining that she had mental health issues during her time in the palace, that she asked for help, that she sought it from HR even. And they said, you're not a paid member of the royal family, so therefore we can't help you. And also has intimated to her that it just wouldn't look good if she were to seek help for a mental health. She said she was suicidal. Um, and that's extremely damaging um, for the royal family in general. You know, we know the Sussexes and the Cambridges have campaigned to highlight mental health issues. Princess Diana, Harry's own mum, battled with depression and an eating disorder. And he's done so much work in this area, as has his brother, Prince William. Um, so I think the whole general picture of, of what came out in the interview has sparked a huge crisis in the royal family. Some would say the biggest crisis in 85 years. Um, and then just looking at the coverage today, there has been crisis talks in the palace between senior members of the royal family. Um, it's instantly damage limitation mode. But it's it's very hard to see what kind of statements could kind of uh, mitigate what was said during that two-hour interview. But I think it's important to also bear in mind a bit of context. Were the palace given a right to reply to any of these allegations? You know, and if so, what was the comment back? Because you have to bear in mind, as any journalist knows, there's two sides to every story. 
And I think it lacked a certain credibility just from an objective point of view, the fact that it was just the two of them sitting down with their mate. Oprah was at their wedding. Mm. Um, and you're always going to go for someone who's going to give you a softer interview, which it was. Um, so I, I, I would have liked to see a bit of context. You know, what yeah, and then uh, and the reason behind it was it them seeking revenge, or was it them wanting to speak their truth? I think I I didn't really get the revenge. I think it was their speaking their truth. I got a lot of hurt from both of them. Um, kind of more anger from Harry, to be honest. I think he's been deeply hurt by how he's been treated. He mentioned. His father would, you know, would, would stop taking his calls when he was in Canada. Now that relationship, there's there's moves there to repair it. I don't think it was a revenge thing. I think, I think they were just so peed off with yeah. how they were treated during their times that they wanted to kind of lift the lid and say, look, there were so many mistruths, there was so much vitriol on social media, and there was so much out there that was inaccurate. And this was their first time to speak what actually happened behind the scenes, behind those acres and acres of tabloid headlines around the world. Um, I mean, a bit of me thinks, certainly, you know, because the palace can't have it every which way. You know, they turned around last week and they said they were going to investigate the claims of bullying against Meghan Markle. Well, by the same context, are they also going to investigate the claims she asked for help? Yeah, and and the claims of and and the claims of racism (laughs) that needs to be that needs to be investigated as well. And it seemed very petty of the the firm, the institution, to remove his security, and that really seemed to have affected them. Yeah, I thought that was particularly damaging. Um, They touched on the fact that they've had death threats. They talked about the risk level. Um, that is there for them as a couple and now for their child um, and soon to be children. And they talked a lot about the finances. Um, they touched about, upon money about four or five times, but it was directly linked to the security detail. It wasn't so much the fact that their son Archie wasn't going to be a prince, and anyway, he couldn't be. He's seventh in line. He has to be sixth in line. The Prince Charles would have to exceed. It was more the fact that they had to pay for their own security detail. And they mentioned that when they first moved to California, um, a rapper friend of theirs covered their security detail for yeah. three months. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was shocking because he spoke about what a good relationship he had with the Queen. Um, and I do believe that's genuine, and so did Meghan Markle. They, they both spoke lovingly of the Queen. So that doesn't really tally. You know, you don't see a huge amount of work for them once they decide to take a step back, no longer be working royals. But hey, by the way, you have to foot your own security bill. You're heavily pregnant, um, but you're on your own now. That's, that seems ludicrous to me. And his relationship with his brother, William, seems to be was, an yeah, all-time low. I thought this was really sad, you know, and he spoke about his mum. And Oprah asked him, like, how do you think she feels? How things panned out? And as well as saying, she, he thought she, believed, she would have predicted how it played out. He also said he feels really, like, like she would have been really sad because he said that him and William, he said there's a distance there. He said they're on different paths. And that was quite apparent. Like, that was glaringly obvious. And he also said that his brother William and his father are trapped within the whole institution, within the structures, because they're so close in line to the throne that they don't have an exit button. You know, they don't have, they're not able to pull a Megxit 
like himself and Megan did. So I thought that was a really, really poignant part of the interview. The fact that they are so estranged and there is such a, a massive gulf between them now. I thought that I thought that was sad. And when I was watching part of it last night, I mean, you very much could feel the shadow of Princess Diana running throughout the interview. But I looked at him at one stage and I thought of that little 12-year-old boy who was made to walk behind his mother's funeral uh, cortege, which I thought at the time was just so poignant and, and so wrong to make the child do it. And of course, we subsequently found out he didn't want to do it, but he was, he was made to do it. But that little boy is still very much within this grown man who then was looking at the woman he now loves and it was, it was he was seeing history repeating itself with his wife. Yeah, yeah. And when we first heard about that quote, we saw it was something to do with the tabloids, with the paparazzi and how Diana was hounded literally to her death in Paris. And now we know it was actually the mental health struggles that she suffered, um, I think, during the early days of her marriage to Prince Charles. And there was such a huge similarity and a deep echo with what Meghan Markle went through. Um, she said that she didn't know what she was marrying into. She didn't realise. Do you believe the, that? I'm not sure. Yeah. I, that was the one bit of the interview. I went, really? You never Googled Prince <laughs> Harry? Like the guy you're about to go on a date with? Come off it. You know, we all grew up with Prince Harry and his... Um, you know, his joyful antics and um, the fact that he seemed like a real fun member of the royal family. I'm not sure I believe that, that she didn't realise that she was marrying into this revered institution, you know, that had traditions and tribes for the last couple of hundred years. I'm not I'm not 100% sure. I think she's a very good actress. I, I, I don't believe that there was a lot of mistruth in that interview. No, I don't. Um, there could have been a few embellishments, though, in terms of the, the naivety. You know, she's extremely smart. She's very educated. She travelled the world. She ran several businesses. She's a successful actress, but we're supposed to swallow the fact that she didn't know what marrying into the royal family went with. Although I would say, um, just talking about marrying into the family, like Kate Middleton, she was dating Prince William for mm, 10 years Mm. before they finally got married. Mm. They called her Weighty Katie, the British media. (laughs) They were horrible horrible (laughs) to her. They were horrible, but there wasn't the race element involved with Meghan yeah. Markle. But at least she had time. And, you know, her mum was a big royal fan. Uh, Carol Middleton, we know, she was mad into the whole um, scene. So she would have had time to prepare her, to tutor her. You know, she went from finishing college. Um, she would have known exactly what she was getting into. She would have gotten into it with her eyes wide open. Harry and Meghan just fell madly enough, had this whirlwind romance, and were like, let's get married. So um, from that aspect, I do feel a little sympathy for her, um, that she didn't go into it with her eyes wide open. And to come from, as she said herself, the independent woman, as you say, Mm -hmm. who ran her own business, and suddenly her phone, uh, her cash cards, everything taken away from her, her passport, to be in that kind of a controlling environment, that can't have been easy. Yeah, I think at one stage they compared it to lockdown, didn't they? They said, yeah. You know, people will know now what it's like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, yeah. But long term, they'll never want for money, these, this couple. Oh they'll, God, they'll do they okay. Won't. Yeah, they'll do okay. No, I mean, there's the deal with Netflix and Spotify, which they said that they never planned. And it was a friend at the start of lockdown, just as a Harry. What about the streamers? Um, which, I, again, I'm not 100% buying. Um, but look, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt with that one. Um, so no, they're not going to want for money or um, 
to pay for their own security detail. And I think that's only right that they do at this point, you know, stand on their own feet, just cut off all ties. Um, it's clear that there's no love lost with some members of the royal family and indeed the firm, as she referred to. So, um, like, a, a fresh start, I think, is what they needed. And, you know, there's no point in relying on the British taxpayer to foot their bill while they're floating around in mansions in California. And they'll always have eggs for breakfast with the chickens. <laughs> <laughs> they will never funny. go hungry. That was, that was funny. And very finally, of course, the other big reveal was we're having a girl. I was waiting for a balloon to be popped and little pink uh, confetti to fall out of it. Do you think the name Diana will feature in the baby's name? Yeah, yeah. this is, this this has been rooted. It's heavily in the running, but um, I don't know. That's quite a big burden to put on a teeny tiny baby and her life didn't exactly turn out to plan. Um, so I don't know it could be like a middle name I think so as well I don't better. yeah I think it'll be a middle name I don't think they'll, they will christen her Diana uh, but it'll certainly be something Diana OK listen Melanie really enjoyed our chat thank you for that and thanks, thanks for joining us uh, good morning Bye. to you that is uh, Melanie Finn who is entertainment correspondent with the Irish Independent and I can see a lot of commentary in on this uh, Chris says Patricia I watched uh, last night I thought they were very brave good luck to them in uh, the future uh, just watch the bloodhound let loose now on them says Chris someone else says Patricia that interview last night was two millionaires whining to a billionaire <laughs> did you enjoy it? Um, hi uh, Patricia my uh, I'd like to point out that even though the comment on the colour of the skin of the baby before it was born was absolutely disgusting and is racist Harry very clearly clarified that the comment and the conversation took place with Harry when Harry and Meghan first started dating and not when they were married or even when she was pregnant I feel it has to be taken in context the royal family had to prepare for everything maybe the question was asked to prepare for the unfortunate racism in the world and maybe it was never meant as a racist comment by the person who brought it up that is very possible that is very possible. One person within the royal family allegedly passed a comment about race. That doesn't make the entire royal family racist. What a total exaggeration. It was an Oscar winning performance. There were three sides says this texter to every story. Ross says the Queen is only the Queen because her uncle was forced to abdicate and he was ostracised so that the firm the firm doesn't treat people uh, fairly. Yeah, he was that was Wallace and um, uh, Mrs. Simpson, Mother Simpson, wasn't it? He abdicated because he fell in love with an American woman. Yeah, it, it, there's a little bit like history repeating itself with Harry for sure in that story. And Anne says, hi, Patricia, Meghan Markle is great at playing the victim. Why are we just hearing Meghan's side of the story? When they decided to leave the royal family, they can't expect to keep royal security and money. I don't believe half of their story. Their marriage will not last, says Anne. Meghan and Harry deserve some kind, some Meghan and Harry deserve something of misfortune Harry is a disgrace to his family the way he spoke about them last night says Anne isn't it interesting that there's a real divide between the people who are people who are on the side of Meghan and Harry and then people who are very much uh, against them and Alyssa says I feel mad that our national broadcaster spent money on buying that tripe last night regarding the royal family what a kick in the teeth to the, uh, to the Irish members of the arts money that could have been spent on a programme an Irish related programme 
programme because we know RT went into bidding with Virgin Media. Virgin Media were trying to get it as well and uh, RTE won it. I have to say, I watched it on ITV because it was on at nine and the RTE one was on at half nine and it was going to be too late. It was going to be way past my bedtime and I'm wondering, did a lot of other people do that as well? People, because on Sky you have access to other channels so I was able to see it at nine o'clock so I didn't even get to watch it on RTE but I suppose they would be... they probably made money on the ads that they sold around it. Would they justify it that way or not? But there's one listener who feels that RTE shouldn't have paid anything and shouldn't have shown it last night. 1850-333-103. Lines open. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Now, I'll get back to uh, all of the comments that are in because I want to, uh, on the Harry and Meghan interview, but I want to move to a, a completely different issue because on International Women's Day yesterday, it was great to hear that West Cork is to get its first ever domestic violence safe house for women and children after an anonymous donation. Marie Holland of the West Cork Women Against Violence Project now uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Marie. Good morning, and, Patricia. And, well, and, welcome, and congratulations on this because this is just long, long overdue. Talk to me about how badly needed a safe house is for West Cork. Oh, Patricia, you, you've been um, interviewing me for several years now. You know that this has been an ongoing issue for quite some time. And um, I mean, this was an issue even before the pandemic that, you know, there was no way of us being able to provide a safe uh, emergency accommodation here in West Cork for women and children who were trying to escape domestic violence. They had to go to the city. And depending, as you know, in West Cork, wherever you are, you could be anywhere from an hour, hour and a half, two hours, two and a half hours away from the city. And that's if you have transport to get there. We also have a refuge in the city that can only take six six families at a time. Since COVID, they've had to reduce that to three because they can no longer allow, allow people to share, obviously, communal space. So for the whole of this county, this the largest county in Ireland, there's a ref, one refuge and it can only take three families. My so God. that gives you some idea of what we're dealing with here. But I, I want to say something else, Patricia, because, I mean, this this donation has been incredibly generous and, and so life-affirming, but it shouldn't take a private donor to do this. The government has obligations here. Local authorities have obligations here and they're not meeting them. And so it took a private donor with a big heart and a lot of compassion to step into the breach here and and, and to make this a reality. You're right. You're, you, you are right. It was 400,000, wasn't it? It was, it was, yeah. Do you know, yeah. and I know it's anonymous, but do you know who donated it? I do, yeah. I do. I'm and the person donor. wants to remain anonymous? Anonymous, absolutely. What, what a person. What a magnificent, yeah. what a magnificent uh, gesture. And the, how soon do you expect to have the safe house up and running? I would say probably within the next two months. Wow, as quick as um, that. Yeah, yeah. we're going to get the keys shortly um, and then it'll be just a matter of furnishing it and, uh, you know, equipping it. Obviously, we have to put a lot of security, uh, uh, etc. And I'll, I'll explain to you the difference between a safe house and a refuge, shall okay, I? Okay, please do. Yeah, a safe house... Um, We'll only take one family. And originally, the reason we had 400,000 was because originally the plan was pre-COVID that we would get a really big house and we'd put a couple of families in together if we needed to. Then COVID came along, knocked that on the head, obviously, 
And so we went, and so what we've done is we've gone for a smaller three-bedroom family house. And we have a little bit left over to get ourselves maybe um, in a few months' time a small, maybe one-bedroom apartment for a woman who's on her own or maybe someone who has disability, uh, mobility problems so that it's accessible. That's the plan anyway. But we still have to equip these properties and certainly this one anyway that we've got now. We still have to equip it and we have to maintain it and we have to pay the bills and all of that. The, the money is only to buy the properties, great as that is, but we still have to find the resources to keep it functioning. So what happens with the safe house? You have one family. It's not a 24-7 staffed um, premises like a refuge would be so they'll be in there on their own I do have a worker that has been provided by Tusla which is great, they funded a worker and that worker will be there to make sure that the family settles in okay that the kids are okay they'll do some safety planning they'll do a care plan about what happens next they'll help to advocate in terms of you know, um, getting out of this emergency accommodation into more permanent accommodation. They'll work with the housing authorities. They'll work with the community welfare officers and social workers, whoever has to be be met with so that that family then can start to plan a future and a more secure and and life-affirming future. So that's that's the plan, okay? That's the plan. So we still a bit to go yet. But But you're getting there. But you're getting there. And and then any any idea on how long a family would stay in the safe house? I mean, you'll obviously try and get get them, let them stay there for, get them moved on as quickly as possible for their own sake. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. Now, at the moment, the the refuge in court, uh, the um, clients can only stay there for seven weeks. We're going to try and extend that to 12 weeks so that we'll give ourselves three months to work with that family to get them to the next stage of their future. And that is a big ask, I know, but it's, it's, a, it's longer than say they would have in a refuge. And it's also, you know, we have good relations here in West Cork with lots of agencies and services and we've been building those up for years and there's a lot of goodwill and um, and I have to say and, and as you know now a lot of generosity and not just this one donor but across the board there's been a lot of generosity for the work that we do. Yeah, people are great. And I mean, I was reading a report from Women's Aid who was saying that they had a 43% increase in calls since the pandemic. Yeah. You've also received an increase in calls at at the West Cork Domestic Violence Project. Yeah, we did. We've had over 30% of a rise in calls. Um, I think last year, now we've got our stats from March, from the first lockdown to the end of last year. So from March to December 2020, we have 500 extra calls. Um, which represented a, a, a rise of just over 30% because we'd normally be around the The pandemic seems to unfortunately has brought out the worst in some people who are abusive. Oh, it has. I mean, in a, in a way, it's a sort of ticket to, to do as you please, really, because, um, you know, the, the level of control is now a societal one, you know, because we all have to stay within a, a confined space. And so... Um, in a way, it, it operates very well for abusers and people who want to have that kind of control over their family, the women, the women and the children in their family. Um, it's very difficult. It's it's also very difficult for us because, you know, we're trying trying to keep our staff safe. We're trying to keep the clients safe, COVID ways, and then we're trying to keep them safe 
in terms of what they're living with. And so we're having to do everything at, at sort of one or two steps removed um, because we're, we can't do the one-to-one. We can't do the court accompaniment. Um, and, and it's draining. It's uh, I've seen it in my staff. I've seen it in myself. We're tired. Um, and and But we have to be here for the clients. And they are ringing and we are able, and I really want your, your audience to hear this, they are ringing. We are on the end of the phone. There's still loads we can do. We've just got ourselves a safe house. We can give you our options. We can explain to you how to keep yourself and your children safe. We can get you out if you need to. We have a woman and three children at the moment here in West Cork, and we have her in a house, and we relocated her. And that was generosity again, Patricia. That was a, a, a couple who have a holiday home here in West Cork. They're living in Dublin, so obviously they can't get to their holiday home. Contacted us and said, do you need somewhere safe? And we said, yes, we do. And, um, and so I've had a woman and three children in their house for... God, it must be coming up to two months now. And they're safe. Yeah. That's the whole point. They're, they're safe. Absolutely safe. So your, yeah. your number again, Maria, if uh, um, anyone needs to contact you? 027-53847. And there's, there's always at least two support workers on the phones. And today there's actually three. So 027-53847. And you'll get us um, anytime from nine till five. And please reach out, even if it's just just yes. for a talk, just to chat to somebody. Absolutely. And if you want to email us, you can do that too. And you can just email us at info at westcorkwomensproject.ie. Info at westcorkwomensproject.ie. We have a Facebook page. West Cork Women's Project, West Cork Women Against Violence. You can always message us on that as well. So we get emails, we get messages, we got people visiting the website and leaving um, messages there as well. So, you know, whatever suits you and whatever safest for you to do, you do that and we'll respond as soon as, as humanly possible. You're an incredible bunch. Keep up the great work, uh, Marie. And thanks a million for joining us on the programme today. Thanks so much. Good morning. Thanks to you. so much for sharing the good news with us. Oh, no, our pleasure. Thanks for that. Bye bye. That is Marie Monholland of the West Cork Women Against Violence Project. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. So many comments coming in about Harry and Meghan and their bombshell interview last night. Just a couple of things I want to mention first. Mary was on to us yesterday afternoon and our hearts went out to Mary. She received a bank statement. It was in her deceased son's name and it was from his bank account and she was just so upset about it because it had happened before. She thought it was sorted out. There's no money inside in the account and as her son is dead, she thought that was the end of it and that he wouldn't, she wouldn't be getting any more of these bank statements, basically saying there's nothing in the account. But it's, I know it's a computer generated thing that the computer spits out, but somebody in the bank should be able to sit down at the computer and delete that account so that Mary is not receiving what was very upsetting for her to see her son's name and address on a letter that she then opened to discover it was this bank account and what to add to her sadness is her son died tragically and that he was killed in an accident and she's still coming to terms uh, with it. Anyway, we got onto the bank, uh, it's permanent TSB yesterday evening about it and uh, in fairness to them they were back to us straight away and they've told us that somebody from their team will be on to Mary today to sort it out and to reach out to her and hopefully that will be the end of it but certainly my heart went out uh, to Mary and you know it wasn't anyone deliberately in the bank was sending out that statement or nobody deliberately did it to upset Mary. It's just it's when the computer does these things, the computer does these things. But it can be so upsetting if you've lost a loved one. I mean, any of us who went following the death of a loved one, when a letter arrives with their name on them, it's just... 
it can be a real sort of a like a body blow. And when you're dealing with something like the tragic death of a much loved son through an accident, it's just there's just extra layers of bereavement onto it. So our hearts really went out to Mary. So hopefully that will get sorted today, Mary, and that will be the end of it. And thank you for contacting us and hopefully it'll get sorted now for you for once and for all. Then can we help somebody here? Where's this gone? Um, here it is. Um, hi, Patricia. Would any of you listeners be able to help, please? I have an old gas cooker and I'm just wondering, is there anybody out there would know where I can get the tops for the burners? Because the tops from the burners are missing. If there's anybody out there that could help, it would be much appreciated. So I'm assuming somebody who has replaced their old gas cooker with a new cooker and you have the old one somewhere and the tops where the, for the burners are still fine, nothing wrong with them that you'd be willing to pass on. Or else, is it possible to buy these? The tops of the burners, the fact it's an old gas cooker, it might be possible to actually get them. If anybody can help, if anybody has advice or can point us in the right direction so we can pass on the information to our listener, please do. 1850 And thank you to Tom who wants to highlight other people about a possible scam phone number that's doing the rounds. Hi Patricia, I got a call from a number this morning saying I was entitled to a tax rebate. It was an 051 number. Now, obviously Tom didn't take the call. He googled it straight away and the number has come up as an unsafe number. Would you give the details out to people please because they people can get sucked in and get caught out so quickly and of course if you think it's revenue and you think you're entitled to a rebate, you think you're entitled to some money back, should we all jump at that? We'd all have a bit of our money back that we paid to the taxman so please be very very careful back to Harry and Meghan <laughs> listener says I'd love to see Tommy Tiernan interview Meghan Markle there's no chance that there'd be a pre-rehearsed contrived interview like what we watched last night says this texture. so fake good luck to them though uh, but we've heard enough from them now let that be it so could you imagine Tommy Tiernan with Meghan Markle it'd be a great interview it certainly would be a great she'd probably walk out first and he'd claim he didn't know who she was knowing Tommy Tiernan big big fan of that programme and of course we mentioned last week or the week before it's been extended for an extra six weeks it was meant to wrap up I think at the end of April but it's been extended on there's an extra few weeks out of it which certainly brightens up my sash tonight you know there's not much we're not going out anywhere like we get a takeaway every Saturday night that's the highlight of the week for me we get a takeaway every Saturday night and have a couple of glasses of uh, red wine with it and then I look forward to watching Tommy Tiernan and I love the fact that you never know who's going to come from behind the curtain and I think some of his best interviews are the people when you don't know who they are uh, I think they're some of them are absolutely fantastic as he then gets to where he then admits I love the way he admits that he doesn't know who they are and it's a great skill I mean I interview people that's what I do for a living and I just don't know it, the fear of God in me if you put me in front of somebody and told me get the rest out of that person I don't know I actually don't know I don't think I have that skill set I'm one of those I'm very old fashioned in that I prep I try to prep everything as best I can it was one of the interesting things about yesterday in that we gave the we gave the questions to all of our wonderful wonderful inspiring women yesterday and I hadn't a clue what any of them were going to come out with. We we deliberately set the format that way. So I didn't know either what they were going to uh, come out with. And it's, a, it's an interesting format. But to actually 
start to have to do the questions with somebody sitting opposite you on almost live TV and I know it isn't quite live it is heavily edited and I've always I always get the sense when I'm watching Tommy Tiernan that the interview went on much longer than what we actually got it probably went on for half an hour maybe an hour sometimes when he's really enjoying the interviewee and then of course it has to be cut down but it's brilliant he is brilliant anyway I digress but yes I agree with whoever said that text in love to see Tommy Tiernan interview uh, uh, Megan it would certainly be good Deirdre says I watched uh, the interview no I've read that one already Deirdre thank you Cathy uh, I watched it last night very shocking I can't understand one thing though Megan stopped speaking to her father after him doing photo shoots and interviews about her to the papers remember that before the for the wedding yes here was she last night and Harry talking about Harry's family with shocking statements. It's left it now impossible for Harry to mend broken relationships with his own family. I can't understand why they did it. They have left the royal family. They seem to be happy in their new life. Was there any need to do that interview last night? Harry now has certainly isolated himself from his own family and therefore will be the real loser at the end of all of this. That's from Cathy. Imran from says, not much has changed over the years. It's history repeating itself. It was plain to see the hurt on Harry's face to leave them without security, though. Unbelievable, says uh, Emer. Patton from Moy says, while they are not to receive any money for the interview, they will make a lot of deals out of the interview. Oh, yeah, their brand. Yeah, absolutely. It'll, do, it'll certainly do wonders for their brand, but they didn't get paid directly for the interview. Neve said, did anybody think it was similar to Diana's interview years ago with Martin Bashir, especially when Harry spoke? Harry seemed more genuine to me than Meghan. Would others agree with that? Tim and Donnerell says England at its best for a country that has so many foreign nationals living there. Didn't the interview last night prove just how racist that country can be? Not necessarily to Harry and to Meghan, but certainly there was racism pointed in the direction of their son or any future children they would have. Everything that is not up to royal standards does not seem to exist according to the royals. People shouldn't be criticising Harry and Meghan today. All they're trying to do is to protect their son. Vincent in Crosshaven. For a nation that has a commonwealth of countries of all mixed race and nationalities, I feel the royals have an earth to even dare asking what will be the colour of the child's skin. Nuala in Skib says, I do agree with Melanie, who you spoke with from the Irish Independent. The interview was very, very soft. Oprah never pushed them when they said something controversial. While Oprah is a great interviewer, she didn't push them. When he mentioned about the racist comment, for example, also there's no statement from Buckingham Palace. So for me, it was all one sided and we await to see Will there be a statement from Buckingham Palace? Lisa in Yall, sounds like they wanted their cake and to eat it. They expected preferential treatment when they walked away. And I don't believe she wasn't versed in the ways of the royal family before she agreed to marry him. Even us common folk know how it works. She just thought she was something special, especially comparing herself to the late Diana. At the end of the day, it is a job they do and they get paid for it with a privileged lifestyle. Either do your job or please leave with some dignity. And some of your WhatsApps in on this says brilliant interview Oh no, sorry, that's a separate one. I'll get back to that in a moment. A listener says, I am not British or Irish, but but we but we 
But where is the loyalty to her grandmother and to the Queen who has served her people all of her life? Harry is a disgrace. Who who remembers when he dressed up as a German Nazi officer? Remember when he played billiards naked? He's a privileged idiot. He should go away and he should shut up, says this uh, listener. And here's a comment that came in from Jess in Cork that made me laugh when I read when I read it first. Hi Patricia. I started watching the Oprah interview last night. I fell fast asleep after five minutes and I woke to the three of them in a chicken coop, totally confused and wondering what the hell are these three doing on Ear to the Ground? But what a moan fest. Despicable portrayal to his brother William, who stays on to shoulder an enormous task ahead of him, whilst the moaners bask in paradise and dip their toes into vital issues, all of which they'll go no deeper into, other than superficial meetings over coffee and Zoom calls, as they pontificate non-stop on what we all shouldn't do whilst they continue to do it. Sorry now, but this is all too Hollywood and melodramatic for me. How about the thousands of homeless in La La Land? Don't think that any of those three would give a continental about that. Pass the cucumber sandwich if you would, Oprah. Thank you, some Jess in uh, Cork. <laughs> Thank you, Jess. Hi, Patricia. I watched the Harry and Meghan and conclusion is, I think she wasn't green in who or what she married into. She's a lady coming from a second marriage, not young and not innocent. She also has now separated Harry from his family and she is a good manipulator. Harry seems sad and lonely and isolated and she will control him. She is a good actress. As she says, she got her prince and at what, but at what cost to Harry? I don't agree with the monarch's control but I'm sure she could have handled it if she really wanted to. Hi Patricia, I admire Harry and Meghan for the interview on TV to the people of the world. They gave us an insight into the royal family and the shenanigans that goes on there. I admire him for the fact that he stood up for Meghan, not like his father who didn't stand up for his mother, Princess Diana. Perhaps if he had stood up, she'd be alive today. Of course, they'll be scorned in British circles because they're of the mentality that the the moniker above all. Don't expect a Buckingham Palace to run out with any statement. Remember the late Princess Diana when she died? The stiff, tight, upper lip statement that was practically dragged out of them in the end. Every good luck to Harry and Meghan. They will survive and they'll live happily and they'll have no worries about royal protocols and the rest of the tribe that goes with it. Thanking you. And that's from Michael. Thanks, Michael. Tim says the interview with Harry and Michael, Harry and Meghan was pure rubbish. It was a waste of our time. And Anne wants to pick up on Nancy, one of our listeners who spoke earlier, who says Nancy is wrong. Harry wasn't looking for his allowance. He was upset by somebody saying that his child could be coloured and that would not give them security. That's a man who also said it made me so sad watching Harry and Meghan last night, the way they were treated not by the Queen but by the, as they said themselves, the firm. It was terrible and to think they would they wouldn't have security because of racism. I wish them well. Harry's a very soft and a caring person. I watched closely how they were doing body wise and I could see how upset they were. Kind regards, Suzanne who's got huge sympathies for both Meghan and Harry. Some of 
audio commentary uh, coming into us today. 1850-333-103. John Paul continues to take your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Judges have voted to adopt new guidelines aimed at reducing general damages awards for some personal injuries, particularly minor injuries, and ensuring awards are proportionate to the injuries sustained. To get the reaction of the Alliance for Insurance Reform, I'm joined by their director, Peter Boland. Good morning to you, Peter. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, Always great to talk to you. Now, this is something I've spoken with you on numerous occasions in the past. It's something that your alliance has called for. But the reduction that was announced on Friday, did it simply not go far enough? No, unfortunately. And on on first appearances, it looks fairly substantial. But you got to look at the background to this, Patricia. Uh, we've spoken, as you've mentioned already, often about this. And the, uh, the heart of this is the fact that insurance costs are just unsustainable in Ireland. And we're particularly conscious of this now as we start to look at recovering from COVID. Uh, and if we're going to recover as an economy or we're going to recover uh, as a society, then insurance needs to be sorted. And we do have a generational opportunity to do this. This is a once-in-a-lifetime one because so much groundwork has been done. Uh, there does appear to be political will on this, both from opposition and government. And uh, we have got an awful lot of the background work done. However, uh, if we are to take the guidelines as they were published at the weekend, we're looking at an average on minor soft tissue injuries, which is I think, the heart of this, of a 50% reduction. Whiplash. Uh, it's whiplash, whiplash you're talking about. Uh, bruised thumbs, bruised bottoms, um, bruised elbows, bruised hands, uh, and all of the sorts of slips, trips and falls that have generated this crisis in the first place. So, as, as I've said to you umpteen times, this is not about serious injuries. Uh, they need to be properly compensated. And I think the Judicial Council has acknowledged that in increasing the level for catastrophic injuries by uh, from half a million to 550,000. And that's on the back of a, uh, an increase last year from 450 to 550. So, those types of injuries... Uh, are, are going to get more, and that's right and just. But it's the minor fully recovered injuries, the paracetamol injuries, where we're still out of kilter despite these reductions. So I'll give you I'll give you one example. So you take you take whiplash um, at the very lowest end of the scale under the current book of quantum guidelines, uh, which is the guidelines that we currently use. Uh, you've got whiplash minor substantially recovered, as it's called, which is essentially one-year whiplash. And the award that they stand are 15,700. Uh, now, they're reduced under the new guidelines to 6,000. And that looks like a whopping reduction. Of 60, yeah, six, that's a good reduction. Yeah. yeah, it's a great reduction. Yeah. But you look at where England and Wales are at the moment. They're at 4,000 or just over 4,000. They're due to drop to 1,500 in May, um, which means that we'll be four times higher than England and Wales. And then if you go on into mainland Europe, Germany for a similar injury, they're talking about up to €1,125. And you're unlikely to receive any compensation in Sweden because they have a threshold uh, below which you don't get anything. So we're we're still completely too high. off the wall. We're still yeah. way too high. And this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. We won't get the opportunity to do this again. So I suppose our concern is that we turn around in two or three years' time 
uh, when, when insurers have reacted as they must uh, and driven the cost of insurance down and said, Geez, why, why is it still so high? And that would be the reason it's still so high because we're still handing out too much. But, but, but even going on, and, and these new awards will replace the current book of, of Quantum. So, so some will go down, not, not enough. Does, does that mean our insurance premiums pro rata will go down? Well, now, there is the rope. So the Cabinet is meeting today to sign off the implementation date for these new guidelines. It's going to be very soon. They're moving at pace on this now. And so we would expect uh, damages to come down immediately because unless you have a claim associated with your policy, uh, in theory at least, your policy is calculated on future risk. And once these new guidelines come in place, the future risk has dropped dramatically. And we would expect on your motor insurance when you renew, Patricia, that you'll see dramatic reductions in your policy. Now, the insurers have been making noises about dragging their heels on this and saying that it's going to take some time. It's not going to take some time. The the facts will be that these reductions will be in place very quickly and it's up to insurers to respond accordingly. Well, I heard Moya Murdoch of the Insurance uh, Ireland Chief Executive pointing out that it takes seven to eight months to get a case to be assessed. So she reckons it's going to take time before they start, the insurance companies start to see the benefit coming through the court system and saying, so therefore we're all going to have to wait until they start seeing the benefits coming through the court system for us to see reduction in our premiums. I mean, do you... Could it take seven to eight months? Well, you can imagine if the decisions had been in the opposite direction and the guidelines shot up last weekend, uh, then you can bet your bottom dollar that insurance premiums would have shot up uh, on Monday. Uh, and so the insurers have to approach this in good faith. They have given numerous commitments, both to the Personal Injuries Commission, chaired by uh, retired Justice Nicholas Kearns, and to the government, uh, that they will respond uh, as soon as damages were reduced. And now they've got to step up to the mark. Now, the reality of it is that they haven't demonstrated uh, their ability to react over the last 12 months. So during the pandemic, the most that motorists got was a 30 or 40 euro voucher, mm. uh, despite the fact that their car was probably parked up for a good part of the, the last 12 months and traffic levels were down dramatically. Uh, when it comes to business interruption, uh, despite the intervention of the central bank, we're still seeing members facing huge upward battles to get any compensation. So insurers will do what they need to do to maximise their profits. At the end of the day, it's up to government to get this sorted. Uh, and uh, we note the comments from Minister of State Sean Fleming, who's the minister with direct responsibility in this area. Uh, he has uh, promised a very robust approach on this, and we would expect that at the very least, because the reductions have to happen, and they have to happen quickly, otherwise this whole process loses credibility. And can the government intervene and cap general damages? Uh, they can, absolutely, and that's what we want government to do to get us to that 80%. Uh, they're constitutionally entitled to do so. The Law Reform Commission did a very comprehensive report last year, including an enormous amount of consultation with all sides. And so we know that that is possible. Uh, and we call on government to do that. But in the meantime, insurers have to show good faith uh, and show that this process is worth pursuing at all uh, by delivering reduction. 
Yeah, when you mentioned that some of the insurance companies gave vouchers back to people last year, somebody's asking, does Peter expect insurance companies to give, car insurance companies to give vouchers again this year, seeing as we've been in lockdown now since Christmas, we're nearly three months into it? Well, I wouldn't be holding my breath because <laughs> they've, they've demonstrated their ability to, uh, uh, to sit these things out. And, it, and uh, some people are noticing that their insurance premiums are actually going up. Yeah, we're getting an enormous amount of feedback on that, both on uh, motor and liability insurance. So we are, we're not seeing the benefits of all this reduced economic activity. So there's, uh, there's a lot of reductions due to, to hard-pressed policyholders at this stage, Patricia. And will insurance costs be the reason that some SMEs may never open up after lockdown? I am absolutely certain of that. I talk constantly uh, to small businesses who are saying that they're just not going to be able to afford to reopen. Uh, and remember, uh, the fact that a small business is closed doesn't mean that the rent bill isn't arriving in or, from this context, the insurance bill. And the insurance bills just keep coming. Uh, with little or no evidence of rebates, uh, you know, the insurers will talk about uh, being helpful to their policyholders. But that'll be in, in more nebulous areas like extending the, the length of the, the premium or extending the cover, the cover to, to cover the likes of takeaway uh, where a restaurant repurposes itself. But in, in terms of hard cash, the bills keep coming uh, and they were at unsustainable levels before COVID and they're on, at unsustainable levels now. So yeah, there there will be particularly in areas such as hospitality, uh, childcare and child-related businesses, uh, leisure and sport. Uh, we're going to see closures or places just not opening again. Yeah, and then of course there's the, the knock-on to the voluntary and the community groups who have the, the little hall that they open up for, for whatever reason. There's, there's yeah. so many of those may never open again. Yeah, well, it, it puts such an enormous onus on the, the volunteers who do all this work if they can't get cover. And increasingly on the volunteer and community side, that seems to be more the issue, is that they just can't get covered for the sort of activity that they'd like to do. Uh, so you have really good, positive people, and you know how hard it is to get people to volunteer nowadays. But if they can't get covered, they're not going to do it. Uh, and that's precisely where we are. So the intervention of government on this is absolutely critical. Um, and it has to happen quickly, uh, and it has to happen effectively. Uh, and you feel the will is there from the government? Well, so the signs are good, but listen, there's a, there's a, you know, there's a long road to go yet, and we've seen an awful lot of enthusiasm <laughs> over the last three or four years, but it hasn't necessarily converted into action. Uh, so we we await the, the results of this. Okay, and can I just say when I saw your press statement that you uh, you issued uh, this week when you were talking about the what had happened with the judicial council and you were giving some of the examples, the one like you gave there with the with the whiplash, the one for the minor thumb injury, no sprain, no breakage. Somebody was getting twenty one thousand two hundred euro for a minor thumb injury. Yeah, that, that makes a mockery of the system. So the fact that you might be able to get a family car. Uh, for bruising your thumb and literally that's no ligament damage no breakage so it's a couple of paracetamol and uh, soreness and bruising over uh, a number of days God help uh, us what you get if you broke it well it's there bizarre. you go yeah, the, numbers, the numbers go up dramatically if there's a breakage and listen like, like we've said people need to be compensated if they're injured due to the negligence of others and, and there is another issue that we're working on at the moment because what we're finding increasingly is that 
there's an absolute duty of care applied to schools, uh, to crashes and Montessori's, to sports clubs, where if somebody gets injured and it's particularly um, touchy area when the children are involved, then an absolute duty of care is applied on them. But the, the, the people who are injured or the parents of the people who are injured have a responsibility to look after their own well-being and that needs to be reflected in the way that courts decide on cases. But what happened to the era where if you fell over you, you picked yourself up, dusted yourself down and you went on? Why do we all have this mentality that you have to start suing straight away? Yeah, and it's, it's, it's more fundamental than that. You learned a lesson uh, yeah. historically yeah. in terms of what you did and what you didn't do. Um, but essentially nowadays the, the, a model has evolved where if there's insurance cover then there's a claim, regardless of the right or wrong of the situation. And, and, and that's not sustainable. Like we're looking at, uh, for example, in Clare uh, recently, the council had to step in and help out community playgrounds because they couldn't get insurance under their own steam. Um, you know, that, that's not sustainable because that's taking money away from other areas uh, and applying it uh, into insurance premiums, which don't benefit uh, the country uh, or the area where the money is paid. Everybody loses. Everybody loses. Okay, listen, Peter, uh, pleasure as always. Thank you for that and uh, continue good luck. You're doing fantastic work at the Alliance for Insurance Reform. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Patricia. Uh, good morning to you. That is the director of the Alliance, uh, Peter Boland. And thank you to Phyllis in Delmamway, who was picking up on the interview that I did with Marie Mulholland before News at 11, where we were talking about the, well, it was a great news story about how the West Cork Women Against Violence a group, they've managed to get that anonymous donation credible donation of 400,000 to purchase a safe house. Phyllis says brilliant interview with Marie. Uh, Phyllis says it never ceases to amaze me what a wonderful lady she is. Congratulations to Maria and to her team. They have saved the lives of so many women and their children and continue to do it. They really are a fantastic group as are all of those organisations that work with people who find themselves uh, involved in domestic violence. 1850 We're going to take a break Annalise Trussell, our nutritional therapist on a different slot just for this week will be joining us after the break. If you have a question for Annalise, you can call John Paul at 1850-333-103 or you can text or WhatsApp me to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. And on a different slot than normal, Annalise Drussell of the Health Hub Times Square and Balancholic joining us. And thank you, Annalise, for facilitating us this week. For It was to celebrate International Women's Day, so I'm sure you didn't mind. Not at all, Patricia. I'm happy. <laughs> you're, very, you're very welcome to the programme. And actually yesterday when we were on, we were getting questions in for you. So let's get straight in uh, to the uh, questions. Mary says, what she describes as having scales, or I imagine scaly skin underneath by her breasts. She's used pseudocreme on the skin, but with little success. Could Annalise recommend anything? So um, that is something called keratosis and it's hardening of skin cells and it's often as a result of sun damage or very common under the breasts, especially if you've been wearing an underwire bra. And the only way really to get rid of them is to scrape them off. Your doctor will do it for you um, because they don't go down very deep, but there's no cream that will get rid of them really. Um, You could sort of put maybe some oil on them to try and soften them and see could you scrape it off yourself but I think if they go a bit deep there's the chance of getting it infected so better to go down at the worst case scenario the doctor will use the nitrogen to burn them off but it as I said it doesn't go very deep 
and it's called keratosis. Okay. Hi, Annalise. What causes a urinary tract infection that reoccurs every few weeks? Antibiotics don't seem to clear it up. Does diet have anything to do with it? So it can, I suppose, Patricia, have a lot to do with it in the sense that sugar um, will feed the bacteria, the unhealthy bacteria that live in the urethra and the urinary tract. And the more negative bacteria in there, the more likely you are to have an infection. And also the less space there is for good bacteria to grow. But what I find about um, recurrent urinary tract infections is often occurs when people have had to have a few antibiotics to shift the first one. And the, prob- the, the problem is that some of the bacteria become resistant, but it also wipes out all the very good bacteria. So this is what I recommend to people. And you need to do it for three to six months, really, so that you can get your kidneys and your whole urinary tract back into a complete state of health. So take D-manos. It's a capital D and then M-A-N-N-O-S-E. It's a sugar and it prevents the negative bacteria from being able to get a grip on the wall of the kidneys and the urethra so they slide off. So therefore you're just washing them out. They can't colonize and infect. So you need to take, if you've got an infection, you need to take D-manos 1,000 milligrams three times a day. The other thing that I recommend then is a probiotic to put in the good bacteria. And I love the Quest Cranbiotics because it's got a nice high amount of cranberry extract, which again is very good for the health of the urinary tract and it's got all the good bacteria. And I would take that three times a day as well. And do that for at least a week or two while you have an infection and then cut it down to once a day for each for about three months. And then if you're flying it, you could cut it down maybe just to taking the cranbiotics for another three months and then you should be back to full health. Okay, good luck with that. Uh, Hi, Annalise. Uh, I got a vitamin D blood test result of 23. Can I bring it up using natural or an alternative to prescription pharmacy tablets? Is 75 normal? What is high or what is too high, says Sandy? Okay, can you explain vitamin D and the count that you would get when you go to get your blood done? Well, actually, I personally wouldn't know the ranges myself because the doctors generally have it beautifully organised within the range of below average, you know, below normal, normal and suboptimal, which is, uh, sorry, uh, over normal. So the doctors normally have it written on the test. Okay. So I wouldn't know the ranges myself, but if you Google that, that's very easy to find. The question is, can I get it from natural sources? So in the summertime, we can make it from the action of sunlight on our skin. And you need about 15 minutes of good sunshine on your bare arms for 15 minutes to get enough for the day. The other way we get it in in fatty foods of animals like egg yolks, cheese, meat, cream, milk. But in the winter months, the animals are indoors. So they're also not making vitamin D and it won't be in the foods. So the only choice to take it is to take a supplement. Now, I know in the pharmacy they tend to give a very high dose once a week, whereas I much prefer a lower dose once a day because I think that it'll mean that your body will take it when it needs it and won't take it if it doesn't and you're less likely to become toxic. And while it's it's not too dangerous to become, like you're not going to die from vitamin D toxicity, it'll be very hard to become that toxic, even on a high dose. It does increase your risk of heart disease in the sense that Vitamin D will make you absorb too much calcium and calcium can um, harden the cholesterol in your uh, veins and create the plaque that gives you heart disease. Also, it increases your risk of kidney stones and gallstones, again, because you've absorbed too much calcium. So I always say to people, unless you know your vitamin D is too low, 1,000 IU a day is more than enough. 
600 IUs a day, more than enough for children. And don't take more unless your doctor has specifically said you should. And is it dangerous to take more? It's not. It's just those reasons, Patricia. Yeah. Just in the long term, kidney stones, gallstones and hardening of the plaque in your arteries. And I know some people say they take 25,000 units a day. I, I just can't see how what the benefit of it is because if you need to take that much just to remain at a normal level there is something wrong with your system and that needs addressing. Okay, a listener sent in a whole list of, I can't even pronounce it, of meds, but I've done quick Googles, Google on them. It's for high blood pressure and cholesterol and, and, uh, and aspirin. The listener says, very mild high blood pressure and cholesterol with a slightly irregular heartbeat. Uh, a super fit person who does physically demanding manual work every day, not, overwork, not overweight, never been overweight at any stage. I'm very concerned about all the side effects of taking all of these tablets long term. What would Annalise recommend for high blood pressure and cholesterol? Okay, well, you see, it's it's that's a that could that's a very open-ended question. In that, I don't know what the family history of this person is. So there is a, a condition called hypercholesteremia, which is genetic, um, where you do absorb and make way too much cholesterol. And really, those people do need the drug. That's exactly the person who the drug is perfect for. The problem is, is that most of the population that are on that drug could probably address cholesterol with natural means. Um, the natural means for cholesterol would be things like your plant sterols that you get in your fluoroproactives and your benicols, or you can get them in a good therapeutic dose as a tablet form in your health store. They will do plant sterols. The other one is the extract of red rice yeast. Um, so they ferment, the, the, the yeast is fermenting the red rice and it creates a chemical that's very similar to the statin drug in its structure and it works in the same way in the body but tends to be well tolerated because it comes from a natural source but again I stress it is like the medication so um, you know you do need to get your liver checked fairly regularly when you're taking these as well so that would be a natural alternative for cholesterol but blood pressure I need to look at sort of what kind of food is in the diet how much salt stress is a big factor how are your adrenals performing um, typical uh, supplements for bringing your blood pressure down would be Hawthorne, which is very good for the health of your veins and arteries. Coenzyme Q10 is very good. Magnesium can be good and the right balance of electrolytes to make sure that your blood isn't, you know, you're not drawing too much water into your blood and increasing your blood pressure that way. So those supplements can help, but you need to be very careful because if you've got elevated blood, um, blood pressure for a long period of time, it could cause a stroke. So that, and that's the reason that the aspirin, isn't it, is, is, to, is to stop clots. Yeah, aspirin yeah. would be commonly recommended for people to pin their blood and to stop the blood clotting. But you could still get a small a stroke from a bleed, you know. So yeah, if the blood yeah. pressure was very high, it might cause a little rupture in one of the veins in your brain and that would cause a bleed, which is a stroke as well. Okay. So be careful coming off blood pressure medication. Okay, and, and as always, chat, chat with your doctor before doing that. Hi, Annalise. Uh, whenever my 14-year-old daughter goes outside, her face and neck get red-purple blotches, which obviously now she's becoming very conscious of. Is there anything that you could recommend that might help, please? So, hmm, that's a very interesting one, Patricia, because, you know, I'd love to know if there was natural remedies that would work for that type of facial flushing. Yeah. It can be quite common. Now, there is a drug for it, um, but the drug, unfortunately, has got, in the long term, when you stop taking or using the drug on your face, 
um, to kind of, it's, the drug stabilizes the veins, the tiny little capillaries in your face. So what's happening there is the cold is causing a reaction for those tiny little veins and either causing too much blood to rush to some areas and probably not enough. So you get this very, either very red face or you get a kind of very blotchy face. So um, that drug I wouldn't recommend. So in terms of what I've suggested to some of my customers in the past, beta-carotene is very good to stabilize the melanocytes that um, are in the, the skin. And that can help if it's a, a temperature thing sometimes, particularly if it's more likely really to happen in heat. So a beta-carotene supplement is safe to take. Vitamin A, it's a precursor to vitamin A, but vitamin A is not really safe to take unless you're being monitored by a health professional. So the beta-carotene is, is good. Um, take out all of the chemicals from your, your, your face products and go for a very natural approach. I love the Salcura Antiac because it's very good for calming any kind of, uh, this, in this case here, it's not acne, I know, but rosacea and rosacea does involve a lot of facial flushing. So and Salcura Antiac, use the wash and the spray and see does that help take the anger and the redness out of it. But um, if any of your listeners have ever found a cure to that problem, I'd like to see oh, no. it. I could, it be the, could it be the age as well, the fact she's 14? Well, definitely hormones will always make yeah. it worse, for sure. And some people just genetically have a high colour. Mm. Um, and the reason I know so much about it is my brother used to be used to get very high colour and he absolutely hated it. And he did take the drug, but he would... Like he, it, it, and I have seen other customers who have the drug. It's called Mervaso, M-I-R, I think V-A-S-O is how it's spelled. And I don't think in the long term it's good. I think it'll solve your problem there and then, but actually your problem can get worse afterwards. So he, it was for him as well as a teenager. You know, he was flushing a lot. I suppose self-conscious in school that yeah. definitely makes it worse as well. So you will grow out of it, please God. Or not? It's it's a tough, tough thing at that age. Now something called spoonful bot- botanical. Yes. Yeah. So. Can you take it if you're on a blood pressure tablet and an aspirin? It's supposed to be good for arthritis, says this listener. Yeah, absolutely. I think you can. It's uh, made by this lovely couple who discovered kind of the fermentation of herbs when they were on their world travels. And they have made it. It's a kind of a fermented version of different spices, but primarily ginger and turmeric, black pepper in there. There's some other ones as well. And people can take a spoon and put it onto their porridge. And normally I would say with a blood thinner, turmeric, you need to be very careful. But in this case, it's in a food, so it's perfectly safe with blood pressure, with blood thinners and with any other drug. And it's quite a popular one. Um, People put it onto their porridge or they mix it in with a bit of yogurt. You could also put it in with a soup or a stew. Um, And there's a lot, a lot of good feedback on it. Okay, putting oil in your ear for to soften wax. A listener says, my husband says, by putting oil in my ear, it'll end up causing vertigo. Is that true? Uh, Would Anadies recommend ear drops? And if so, for how many days? To soften, to soften the wax. Exactly. So that's really, now I think normally you would put olive oil actually warmed. You don't, you warm it on a spoon. So you heat the spoon with some boiling water and then you put the olive oil on it and let it sit for a few minutes, uh, for a minute. And that warms the oil. To be honest, it's probably better for an ear that's pain, maybe an ear ache. It sometimes can soften wax, but I just don't think it really does a good job of it. So the things I would recommend is you can buy specific ear drops to soften wax, either in the health shop or in a pharmacy. Ear candling is wonderful, especially if it's deep trapped wax. Um, and it's really good for any kind of ear pain or if you've got a lot of mucus stuck in your ear. But I would suggest that if it's your first time doing ear candling, 
get somebody to help you with it because it can be a little bit finicky. It's not dangerous, just finicky. And then the last thing that I would recommend is hydrogen peroxide, which is bleach effectively, but you can get a 5% mix in the pharmacy and you put it into your ear, it'll fizz up and you need to lie down and let it sit in your ear for about 10 minutes. And that can get very stubborn wax as well. But if it's deep, deep set, don't go at it. Use the ear candles and it'll draw it out. Mary says, uh, wants to know, does Annalise know if chia seeds have gone off the market? And if so, is there a replacement? She hasn't spotted them in the supermarkets for months. Yeah, so there's a lot of problems at the moment getting things because of Brexit. I'd say there's difficulties for them in terms of getting raw materials and also getting stuff out of the country into other countries. So certain things have disappeared. I have chia seeds, so they definitely are still around. Check your local health shop because we use... Um, you different, know, different supplier suppliers. Yeah. so you might get it there but the main um, alternative would be maybe ground linseeds um, are a very good one pumpkin seeds are great as well the three of those are very high in the omega-3 fats sunflower seeds have got some over omega-3 but they're higher in omega-6 I think we get plenty of omega-6 in our diet so I would prefer people to take the chia seeds the linseeds and the pumpkin seeds. Now, pumpkin seeds, you can chew and you can add, sprinkle onto salads and we can digest them. But with the linseeds and the chia seeds, make sure they're ground because otherwise they come out the same way they go in and you don't get the nutrients on the inside. Okay, and very finally, can you repeat the stuff you mentioned for the kidney infection, for the urinary tract infection? Yeah, so so what we'll do on the Facebook page, um, it'll probably be tomorrow, we'll just summarise everything we spoke about on the, um, I, I spoke about on the radio this morning. But it's D-Manos, three times a day and cranbiotics three times a day. So take one after each meal while you have an infection and then when the infection has cleared up, take it once a day for at least one to two months for maintenance. The other thing that's wonderful as well, Patricia, I should mention is the Dr. Delish Clare kidney blend. It's called Cystone, C-Y-S-T-O-N-E. And if you've got any bit of burning or pain on urination, it works within 24 hours to get you back on the right track. So if people are in an active infection I'd often recommend that on top of the other two just to get the healing process to get rid of it because it's horrible started. horrible ok Annalise pleasure as always we'll talk to you next Monday in your normal slot thank you for that thanks that's uh, Annalise Russell of the Health Hub Times Square in Ballancotic and of course uh, um, Annalise now has an online you can get her website at thehealthhubstore.com You're listening to Cork Today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed Lewis said, what a weekend for sports in the Ballinine and Enniskeen area. Patricia, would you say well done to Phil and Joan Healy for their achievements over the weekend in the European Indoor Championships in Poland. Also, congratulations to Orla Cronin for her winning her first All-Star and that comes in from Lewis Walsh. Glad to give that a mention. Lewis, thank you for that. We were speaking about insurance costs in the last hour with the Alliance of Insurance Reform reacting. They weren't that happy with the new personal injuries guidelines which were published last Friday by the Judicial Council while well, they just felt that they didn't go far enough that they should have been reduced even further Colin Butterfin said will the payments to the legal profession also be reduced? They are going to reduce the awards to people because they are too high but surely behind every claim there must be five or six different people claiming from the insurance company for expenses be that medical and are legal so will their fees be reduced? The person making the claim can make less than the 
medical or legal teams involved, according to Colm, and it makes no sense um, at all. Well, I know the insurance industry themselves want to see cases go before the PIAP, the Personal Injuries Assessment Board, uh, because to go for direct settlement rather than end up in court. I mean, the insurance companies don't want to end up in court because it does cost uh, a lot of money. And I know Sean Fleming, the Minister with res- the Minister of State responsible for insurance, he says he anticipated as a result of these guidelines from the Judicial Council, he reckons that fewer cases would go to court as PIAP now would be offering the same awards as the courts. And obviously they'd be, order- they'd be offering that at a fraction of the cost of going to uh, court. So if that be the case, then you wouldn't have to worry about all of the legal expenses because they wouldn't come into it, uh, Colm. Thank you for your call. Hi, uh, Patricia. If a person breaks a hand or a leg and it's somebody else's fault, I think that person should be compensated. It's unfair to paint everyone as being out to make a claim. There are very genuine cases too and people are suffering for years after the incident. Listen, I wouldn't in any way take from anybody going ahead with a claim when there's a very genuine reason for it and if they're left with an injury that they're suffering with for many years after the incident, then absolutely that's why we have a judicial system and that's why you can either Either go to to pie up the personal injuries assessment board, or you can go to court. And in fairness to the Alliance for Insurance Reform, they very clearly, and Peter Boland stated it again, they're not against anyone who has a genuine case going either before the courts or to the personal assessment board to receive compensation. But what they're talking about is people going for what are the soft tissue injuries. I mean, I the one that sticks out like a sore thumb, pardon the pun, is literally that, a minor thumb injury that would involve no sprain or no break. Okay, you might have fallen over or tripped on something and you land on your thumb and the thumb is bruised and it's very sore for a couple of days and all of that, or maybe even a week. To think that you can go to court and receive up to €21,200 for a minor thumb injury, which now gets reduced, it's still too high at €12,000. It just seems absolutely nuts. So what we're talking about and what the Alliance for Insurance Reform is talking about are all of those minor injuries. And that's why I made the point what happened to the era where people tripped, fell and they dusted themselves down and they got on with it, with it and children fell inside in a playground and, you know, mammy or daddy brought them home and, you know, cleaned up their knee and dealt with their bruises. But you know, suddenly now there seems to be a mentality in this country that everybody seems to rush out and there's a case and you can claim and, you know, there's compensation to be awarded. I remember a friend of mine had a fall inside in a well-known, one of the bigger supermarkets. She tripped going in the door. It was a wet day and there was leaves on the floor. It was a couple of years ago. And she fell and um, she said she was more embarrassed than anything else. But a member of the staff rushed over who knew her and said, stay on the ground. I'll be your witness. You can put in a claim. Those leaves shouldn't have been there. Now, my friend just said, would you just ever help me up, please? I'm so embarrassed. And was she bruised? Yeah. Did she ache and pain for a little bit for a few days? Of course she did. But she got on with it and she didn't, you know, she didn't see any need to rush out and ring her solicitor straight away. So I think it's those minor injuries that people do put claims in for that they really didn't need to put a claim in in for. But I'm not taking from anyone who, as you say in your text, breaks a hand or a leg to no fault of their own and it's actually somebody else's fault. Then absolutely go ahead and make your claim. But it's the, it's this compensation culture that we seemed to, to live in and have been living in for quite some time and it isn't a victimless crime 
and, and I do at times, I do see it as a crime. I'm Not at times, I do see it as a crime. If people are putting in exaggerated claims, then we all suffer because all of us are paying very high premiums on our car insurance, on our house insurance. We're paying extra no matter where we go because every single business is literally strapped with the premiums they have to pay on insurance cover just to open their front door. That has to be passed on. So we all, everybody suffers because we have too many people putting in claims that they really didn't need to put in a claim for. But as I say, I'm not stopping anyone going forward and putting a claim in when there's a very genuine reason. Somebody else says more than half the costly suing culture would stop rapidly if the government banned compensation for involvement in illegal or criminal activity. It's ironic that an intruder can come into your home and they can sue you for an injury received are in the course of an assault started by themselves so the government do have a role to play in all of this and somebody else is saying just wondering if can if it could be asked please a moderate whiplash injury where a pre-existing injury has been exacerbated due to a car accident will that be affected in the new policy that's been brought in thanking you uh, Michelle no the guidelines that were announced on Friday by the Judicial Council will apply only in cases that have not been assessed yet so if you haven't reported it gone through the courts gone to uh, PIAP then no you won't be, you won't fall in under the new uh, criteria. And it's one of the reasons that the insurance companies are using as an excuse not to reduce everybody's premiums because they were saying it can take six to seven months to get a case assessed. And they're sort of saying that when the new assessment, when they start to see costs coming down, that's when they'll start reducing premiums, even though Minister Sean Fleming is kind of rubbishing that and saying, hold on uh, a tick. If it should be on all new premiums taken out from here on in because obviously if a new case arises it'll be on the if you take out a new insurance policy next week and then God forbid something happens and you take out a claim it's on that new insurance policy from next week not on something that happened last week so there's kind of an argument going on there but if you're describing something that's happening to you at the moment and you've got you've got a case pending then no it is not going to affect you 1850 somebody's asking about nursing homes and any news on nursing home visits somebody wanting to get in to visit a loved one who's been fully vaccinated and still not been allowed in well it has been reported today that nursing home visits and greater freedoms for fully vaccinated people are being considered and it's been described as part of a vaccine bonus. It's likely that Neffert will this week agree to allow nursing home visits because now the vast majority of residents and their staff have at this stage been fully vaccinated. There there still will be pockets and there still will be isolated cases within a nursing home where somebody wasn't vaccinated because when the vaccination was being rolled out, they either had COVID or they were isolating because they'd been in close contact. So there's still be, but the majority, the vast, vast majority of nursing home residents and their staff are vaccinated and it seems Neffet will consider the issue this Thursday and then if they give the nod, visits would be expected to resume either next week or within 
within 10 days. So no, won't be in time for Mother's Day. I know somebody was on to us yesterday saying any hope I'd be able to get to see my mother on Mother's Day. Don't think it's going to be this weekend, but certainly maybe the week after or the following weekend. And of course, great hope I think was taken yesterday of people getting back in to visit loved ones in a nursing home when the US Centre for Disease Control and Prevention they yesterday said that fully vaccinated people can now gather indoors. You don't have to wear masks and you don't have to physically distance. And I think in the States, about 9.4% of the population are fully vaccinated. So, you know, there's a large, large number of people fully vaccinated and they got the go ahead that it's okay if you've been vaccinated in the States and your parents have been vaccinated, it's okay for you to now go visit them. You can go into the house, you can sit with them, you can give them a hug don't have to wear a mask and more importantly you don't have to social distance. Distant. So the Deputy Chief Medical Officer Ronan Glim said Neffert will, will also soon reveal what they're calling this vaccine bonus for people who, now this is for people who've had all of their jabs and I think you've got to go a week beyond your second jab and then you're deemed fully vaccinated and I quote from Dr Ronan Glim, he said I'm hopeful over the next few weeks that we can start to tell people what the bonus from vaccination is and what it means, what vaccination means means what you can and can't do but equally again he says we have to balance that because not everyone in society will be vaccinated and of course vaccines aren't 100% protective he did also say there needed to be further data on how the vaccine affected transmissibility although it is likely that's going to have a significant impact I think the evidence and the data is already coming through now showing that people are not uh, transmitting at those that are fully vaccinated. Nursing home visits he said will be looked at specifically specifically this week because he said even without the vaccine rollout community transmission obviously has been falling steadily which is great news for all of us. He said it's only appropriate even in that context of looking at the issue of nursing home visitation given the, given the really significant impact that this pandemic has had on people living in those uh, settings over the past year. Now he said it won't be normality We won't be back to the way we were before we ever heard of the word COVID-19. He said, but something a little bit easier versus the really tough time that people have gone through in the past year. I wonder, will they follow something like what they're doing in the UK on nursing home visits? And they've been doing for about the last fortnight now. Once your loved one was fully vaccinated, people are then allowed to nominate one person who's allowed to come in. They're still wearing masks and they're still doing social distancing from what I could see on a TV report. But you were allowed to sit and hold the hand of the person you were going in to visit. I don't know if we're going to get quite to that level, but certainly people were allowed indoors, but you were allowed to nominate one person. So we'll wait to see what Neffet says on Thursday. No doubt they'll discuss it on Thursday and then make a recommendation. So whether we'll hear something on Thursday or whether we're going to have to wait, because usually Neffet meet on a Thursday and then they make the recommendation to the committee they, that then goes on to make the, to tell the government what to do. They normally meet on Monday and then it's Tuesday before we hear anything. So I don't know if we're going to hear anything before the weekend. But can I see nursing homes open for Mother's Day? Sadly, not at this stage, unless Neffert really uh, come out and make a very strong statement on Thursday. But they're next to discuss it on Thursday. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. And of course, John Paul will be sitting here in this seat on next Sunday morning, Mother's Day, 
presenting the Irish Sunday Music Programme, which will be, I imagine, a very busy one for Mother's Day. So feel free to get requests into him. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council's Community Support Programme. If you or anyone you know needs help in accessing non-emergency and non-medical supports or advice, see corkcoco.ie. Ark House are today host, or sorry, tomorrow hosting a free webinar on diet in cancer. It'll be tomorrow evening at 7pm. You log on to the Ark House website for further details. And Anam Cara, which is the national organisation providing support, information and resources to bereaved parents. They're asking for your support by walking in your own St. Patrick's Day Parade within your 5K. Upload your photos to their Twitter or Instagram accounts and then donate through their justgiving.com page forward slash campaign forward slash the 17th of March. And Kinsale Atlantic Artists Pink for Daffodil Day window and online exhibition is running up to and including the 29th of March. Proceeds are going directly to the Irish Cancer Society's Daffodil Day Fund. Cork today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. A couple of people are offering suggestions to the person who contacted us earlier this morning who is looking for help with an old gas cooker and wondering where they could get the tops of the burners they're missing. A couple of people have suggested, a Donnerail listener was on to say, Patricia, the lady with the gas cooker should try Oliver Sheehan in Donnerail. If he didn't have one, he'd be the right man to know where she could get it. I just don't know where our listener is texting from, but she's in the North Cork area, Oliver Sheehan in Donnerail. And then I think a very good suggestion came in from a listener. Now she's suggesting a particular electrical shop in Mallow that take in old cookers and if you go to any electrical shop you know when somebody buys a cooker under the Wii they take back the old cooker or the fridge freezer or whatever it is you're buying and they go on then for recycling so that they don't end up in landfill and that's a good suggestion if you pop into any electrical shop with the make and model of your gas cooker and tell them what's happened they may have an old gas cooker that they took back from somebody who replaced it with an electrical one or maybe a new gas one and they may have the part that you're looking for. So that might be a suggestion for you. But failing that, somebody says Oliver Sheehan's in Donnerell. If you're anywhere close to Donnerell, if he doesn't have one, he may be able to tell you, point you in the right direction. On nursing home and nursing home visits, somebody says, Patricia, what about people who are fully vaccinated themselves going in to visit a loved one who's in a nursing home who's fully vaccinated? We've had that, we've had that very example presented to us before and the last time we spoke about this when I had Tyg Daly on from the CEO of Nursing Homes Ireland and somebody contacted us who's a nurse frontline worker fully vaccinated and her dad is in a nursing home he's fully vaccinated and she can't understand why two fully vaccinated people can't spend time in a room together and she still wasn't able to get in to the nursing home so no doubt that's going to be discussed by Neffet when they're talking about these vaccine bonus to make life a little bit easier. I, will the rules be different for somebody who is, has a loved one going visiting us fully vaccinated? It's possible. It's possible. Or maybe they'll come up with one set of rules regardless of whether checking to see that the person coming in is vaccinated or, or not. But let's wait and see. As I say, never due to discuss it this 
coming Thursday and then we'll wait to see will we hear any news on Thursday or following that particular meeting. Hi Patricia, can you wish our dad, Michael McCarthy of Ballycaskin, Carrick Navarre, a very happy 83rd birthday today. Love and best wishes from me. Seven sons, four daughters and wait for this, they're 30 grandchildren. Oh, if we were in normal times, there'd be a big house party there for sure. Happy birthday, Michael McCarthy. Bally Gaskin in Carrigny-Navarre. No doubt you are celebrating, even if you can't have the big birthday uh, bash. On insurance and this compensation culture. Hi, Patricia. Listening to your comment on insurance compensation and payouts, most people are not interested in making a claim for minor incidents. As why would they? But unfortunately, some I know somebody, for example, who would claim and and would claim for absolutely anything. These people are increasing all of our premiums and then blatantly laughing at their payout. What is wrong with these people? Just enjoy life and this lovely country thanking you. Yeah, the majority of us wouldn't claim, but unfortunately the minority ruining it for everybody else. And can anybody offer advice to Michael? Patricia, mud on the road from slurry spreading. Who is responsible for the clean-up of it? Is it the farmer whose slurry spreading caused the mud to come out onto the road or is it the local authority? Our road in Bantry is destroyed. It has been for the past week and it is worse today after the rain. Who do I contact, says Michael. So we need somebody in a rural area with know-how please. I would have assumed that it's the farmer's responsibility to go back out and clean up if the road is left in a particularly bad condition and Michael says it's destroyed. Failing that is Michael, does Michael get on to the council in Bantry to see if they can help him out? Certainly it's worth putting a call through to the council because if it's not their responsibility Michael they'll be quick enough to tell you uh, where to go but if anyone in the meantime can offer advice to Michael who does he contact for a road destroyed by farmers spreading slurry in his area? Is it the local farmer? that should be back out cleaning it up? Is it the local farmer, therefore, that he contacts? Is it up to Michael himself to contact the local farmer to say, can you come back and clean the road, please? Or is it the council he gets on to? Your thoughts welcomed on that. 1850-333-103. John Paul, taking your calls. You can text our WhatsApp 0862103103. And when I mentioned that our own John Paul will be sitting in this seat on Mother's Day for those that can't get in to see their loved ones in nursing homes and to get your requests in. Of course, I should have mentioned that our own John Green will be doing the very same show from our West Cork studios as well. So feel free if you want to send in requests on Sunday morning to either John Paul or to uh, John Green. And I'm just told that there are delays at the tunnel. The South Bore is closed. It's unfortunately due to a truck has shed its load and Gardaí are at the scene at the moment but the south bore of the Jack Lynch tunnel closed at the moment. Let's take a break and we're back chatting with Joe Heflin. Court today on C103 with John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now- it's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. A part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie This is the Court Today replay on C103. Joe Heflin, who runs a counselling practice in Boherbui, joining us on this Tuesday afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, uh, You're very welcome. And yeah. today we are going to dis- discuss anxiety. And I don't think I have ever heard so many people talk about anxiety, talk about having a family member who's suffering from anxiety, people openly saying, I'm feeling really anxious. People who've never felt anxious before are people who've never suffered from anxiety. I mean, if you talk to any GP or talk to any pharmacist, they will tell you the increase in the amount of prescriptions for anxiety medication. And I take it we can simply put it down to this is one of the knock-on effects of living through a pandemic. Absolutely, without doubt. But, you know, it's great that, you know, that people are talking about it um, to somebody. Um because sometimes uh, we can be down. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm finding it quite tough going. Uh, no doubt about it at all. Um, I don't think there are any magic answers. But I think it's good to be able to talk it over rather than kind of somebody in the household, uh, partner or otherwise, kind of saying, um, what's wrong? Um, are, you, are you having a tough all day? Um, or if they do that to kind of open up and say, yes, I am having a really tough old day. Um, you know, and it needn't be anything um, wonderfully insightful. It can be just I'm finding this uh, whole thing um, uh, tough. Um, uh, yeah, and it's hard to kind of get to the bottom of it. You see, we're deprived of all the things that distracted us from... Uh, we'll call it the daily grind. Um, you know, we, we'd book a holiday and we'd say, right, okay, um, things are a bit up the wall at the moment. They're, they're, they're quite busy or, or whatever. And, uh, but, you know, there's something out there now to look forward to. And, um, uh, you know, all we're looking forward to now with... With a long, long, long time is um, uh, the ending of of this um, horrible, horrible virus. And um, we all waited and waited and we thought the magic bullet would be the vaccines. And um, while they're going to be an enormous help, no doubt about it, a big, big plus. But, you know... Um, uh, uh, 
it 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 doesn't mean that we're all back to normal um uh, and uh, going to the cinema um etc uh, etc et um uh, there's still um there's still a fair bit to go well, even there's a wait. it's very uh, very good thing mm? there's, there's a wait for the vaccine that's just frustrating everybody you know we we yeah. did we we were joyous that a vaccine had been given approval and then we suddenly realised well you know join the queue and it's a very lengthy queue yeah. and it seems to be a very slow moving uh, queue and right. that is just adding to it and I think you're right when they're looking forward to something it's one of the most common things I hear myself saying when I'm either talking to somebody you know catching up with a friend on the phone and it's one of the most common things I end up saying and I hear from other people just just nothing to look forward to. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the tough bit because even the travel um, agencies uh, would have said um, I didn't realise this but we were part of that cohort that, um, you know, uh, the busiest booking time apparently for holidays is, you know, in, in the middle of winter. Um, we're we're booking for something like the following September um, for a bit of sunshine and a bit of a break. And um, that then meant that um, there was something there for us. And uh, even the actual booking of the holiday, you know, printing out the old boarding uh, page, um, uh, etc., that was great, you know. And then you'd hear a good review of a film. Uh, you would have your person on there. Um, uh, Mark on a, on a Friday. Absolutely. And I usually listen in. Um, which, you know, I'd kind of give this film four out of five or I'd give this one, mm, I don't know, I wouldn't be going out of my way to go to it. But at least there were films there that we could choose to either go to or avoid. Um, and and that's gone. And um, oh, there was a concert you might have been looking forward to going, or even yeah. just to uh, getting to get. You know, I read out a, a request there for a man who is eighty uh, second birthday. No, and you know, in the normal times, that'd have been a big celebration for that family, and people would be looking forward to. You know, we'll all go around to dad's and we'll cut the cake and we'll have a bit of a party. All of that has been taken uh, away from us. Yeah. But But your advice. It, but the one thing about it is it's been taken away from everyone. It's not just a case of I can't do it, but you can do it. So well, there is that. And uh, incidentally, now that you mention it, um, a dear cousin of mine um, over in Kildare will be celebrating her 80th birthday um, any day soon. And, um, you know, we were all going to have a great night. Well, we won't be having the great night, but the good wishes are there. Yeah. And while I'm saying that to... I'd like to say thank you to a listener in Limerick, uh, Anthony, who sent me a nice uh, card and a little gift for Easter and saying that he listens in every Tuesday. <laughs> well done, well done. Yeah. Okay. It's nice to be uh, appreciated. Yes. So the message today is we're all in this together. We're all going through it. When, you, when that anxiety comes down on top of you is talk about it. Talk about it is, is a big, big help. Um, uh, you know, what's the old saying? A problem shared is a problem halved. And um, and and if you uh, need to, there are plenty um, good uh, 
counsellors um, uh, available um, by looking on iacp.ie. And of course, as we always say, first port of call, your GP. And, um, uh, you know, if things are getting uh, just a little bit um, uh, too tough. Um, and I suppose, like, what I'm finding at the moment is... Um, I've probably never, well, I, I was always in the middle of the beginning of the end of a book, but um, I'm really getting through an awful lot of books these days. And, well, that, and um, that helps you escape. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, um, you know, um, even during the day, um, I might think, um, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll be getting back to that book now tonight. And, you know, it, it's, it's not exactly... Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, um, uh, a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful thing, but it's a wonderful thing for me. Yeah, and it's the same with uh, when we were talking about Mark in the movies. He's now recommending uh, movies that are on on can be, can, can be streamed. So there's a good, you know, you can see it on Netflix. It might be on your TV. You know, there's good there's good movies out there. There's some great <laughs> box sets. There's some great television. There was there was the interview last night. I was looking forward yeah, to that all day yesterday. Too. Do you know what I mean? So, so it's, you, it's, it's to find something else to look forward yeah, to. Yeah, but when you mentioned the downloading with the Netflix, uh, we had a person call yesterday with our new contract for uh, broadband. And um, it turned out anyway that uh, this tree has to go and that bush has to go um, because we're a good bit over from the road. But uh, So it didn't go well, but... Um, uh, uh, a great friend, uh, a really great friend, uh, Tom, is um, is clearing the way well for the broadband to arrive. So I'll be back on to uh, air, and the the people that called were, um, I think it's KN Networks, and um, yeah, yeah. As I say, it didn't work out, um, but uh, we'll get there. So we'll okay, be able and Mark, to download all those wonderful nits. You will, you will, and there's some brilliant box sets in it. Uh, Martin and Dennis Keane says, talk, talk therapy is great for anxiety. A problem shared is a problem yeah. halved. Yeah. Acupuncture and homeopathy, also good. They're fantastic mm. for me, and some of them are real hidden gems. Yeah, so w- w- well done, Martin. So it's whatever works for you, works yeah. for you. Yeah, well, you know, you could, be, you could do another uh, wonderful service by, um, I'm not sure... Um, like I'm supposed to go for physiotherapy for um, you know, the aching parts, I mean, which is the majority of my parts now. Um, but uh, I'm not sure um, are the services like where it's um, very much person to person like physiotherapy. I, I'm not sure are they on the go now or, or, um, because uh, I, I mean, for example, physiotherapy, you certainly can't do on Zoom. Do you know what I mean? Well, no, physiotherapists are working. Oh, good. Yeah, good, yeah, because good. we had Rena Buckley on uh, with us for International Women's Day yesterday and uh, she's running, I mean, she, her practice is, is open. I mean, I don't know whether it's only emergencies or not, but they, they certainly are. Oh, well, that's uh, great to And then you, you work off your anger, bit of bit of uh, physical activity. Yeah, yeah. There is, in, in our garage, there is a big, big punch bag because one of our sons was into Taekwondo. He got to be a black belt. And um, so there was a punch bag installed. That would be no harm at all um, uh, on a bad day. Um, a, bit of, a bit of physical work, a bit of gardening. Um, you know, uh, just go and dig. <laughs> uh, 
um, uh, can help. But um, uh, we need to uh, be um, assertive as well in our anger, not passive, not the pictures nor sound, not somebody saying, um, are you okay today? Because they can see that you're in uh, very bad humor. Um, definitely not aggressive anger. God knows we're hearing too much about that now, um, about domestic abuse. Um, uh, and I suppose, um, as I was saying there a few weeks ago, we're all a little bit touchy now. Um, something that would just pass um, uh, in 2019 uh, now can be an irritant and we can, you know... Short maybe, fuse. Short fuse is a good way do, to put it. Do you suggest do something for someone else? This, yeah. You always feel better, don't you, when you're doing something for somebody else? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, um, uh, it, it needn't be a big deal. It can be, um, you know, the new on post- postcards, if they're still around. I have a few, couple of them anyway, which I intend to send. Um, uh Pick up the phone, make a call. There was a friend of mine recently in hospital. I hope he's out. I'm going to ring him later. Um, uh, you know, it can just be a text. Um, uh, something like that. It means to the person that someone was thinking about me today in a good way. Um, and uh, lovely to receive it. Um, uh, helps and it gives that little tiny lift Um Whereas, you know, that old, that old lump of dough feeling in the tummy um, gets a little bit lighter um, uh, when, when, a, when a nice thing happens. And it doesn't have to be major, major. It can just be the phone rings. Hi, I wa- how are you? I was thinking about you. I mean, okay, that's and then lovely. and then when you have a list of things that you need to do, you take one thing at a time. Don't get overwhelmed by all the tasks that you need to do. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, um, uh, my my version of it would be uh, tidy um, uh, a room or even tidy a press, but don't say I'm going to tidy the house today. Well, if you try to tidy our house today, anyway, with my with my carry-on, with books thrown everywhere and this, that and the other thing, um, uh, a person could finish up in very much worse humour than they started. But, um, yeah, take on something small. You see, there could be that old hanging email that you you do need to send. There might be that... Um, that uh, I, I know they're kind of out of fashion now, but I actually have a letter that I need to write, and um, I will do that before the day is out. Um so small things like that, and it feels, for me anyway, it feels really good when the small thing is done. Um, you know, there's a great thing. It isn't anything major now. I mean, writing a letter isn't exactly, um, uh, you know, up there in the realms of achievements. But um, it'll be an achievement for me to get it done. And, and you uh, feel you feel good when it's done. And then absolutely, d- don't be a perfectionist. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, um, you know, it, it, as I say, it can be one press, it can be um, uh, tidying the socks and underwear, it can be something small, um, it doesn't have to, be, have to be major, major, major. And to prioritise, um, for me now today, like, um, that particular letter um, uh, is a priority for me, I, I'm going to get that done. 
and not to be too critical like to be gentle with ourselves look we're all going through a tough old time and uh, none of us is going to be uh, you know top of the world um no there can be good hours too um um you know uh, it's it's just they're a wee bit scarce at the moment and uh, I think we all need to be patient. I know that things haven't gone well with the uh, vaccine rollout. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe the EU didn't handle it perfectly. Um, uh, and, and all of that. Yeah, and our government is coming in for a bit of a kicking and the yeah. HSE is coming in for a bit of a kicking. But we will get there eventually. We will. But um, And I suppose um, I've resisted completely uh, the temptation, you know, to be ringing the GP uh, when, when, when. Um, I'll get the call when, when, when the vaccine is there and when um, uh, I, I know that I won't be neglected, that will happen. But um, there's no point in having that um, uh, increasing the old anxiety with when, when, when. Um, uh, I'm... Uh, Definitely the GPs are doing their level best to do everything as well as they can. And, I mean, uh, if they're not supplied with a vaccine, well then, they can't be administering the vaccine. So, you know, we need to be patient. But I would agree with you and with the... uh, Yeah, yeah, things could have been done better. I was telling you there about Ken being at the cinema the other night. They, they, They did the quarantining at the airports in March of 2020, and uh, there isn't one case on the island. Since they um, came, and they came in Ireland. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. We're still talking about it. Okay, all right. And Mike was saying, I've sent postcards to my friends. Yeah, and it's great. And if there are any, I don't know if they're those free postcards from Post, they've been brightening up people's days yeah. for sure. Okay, yeah. listen, have a lovely week, Joe. Yeah. And less of the anxiety and breathe. Keep yeah. the breathing going. Yeah. And uh, we'll talk next next Tuesday. Thanks we for joining us. Uh, bye-bye. That is uh, Joe Heffernan, who runs a counselling practice in Bohabui. His number is 02976. Six one seven. I've literally just received an email in from uh, GP practice in Clonakilty to say that GPs in the area have not received enough COVID-19 vaccines in the delivery today to cover everyone as they had expected to vaccinate. Some patients now will be contacted to delay their first dose and the GPs in Clon are really sorry and upset that this is the case but it's outside of their control and that's so upsetting for the GPs because they've got to make those calls and it's... And and the disappointment when somebody gets a phone call who was expecting to go down this afternoon to get their vaccine and to be told and not the GP's fault to so just let people in the Clonakilty area know if you are due to get your vaccine today stay by the phone you may be getting the phone call you didn't want to hear from your local uh, GP OK that's where we leave you for today my thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing the programme Nick Richards is with you for for the afternoon and thank you to everybody who contacted us uh, today particularly on the Meghan and Harry uh, issue our apologies if we didn't get to all of your comments I don't think we've ever dealt with an issue that we got so swamped with comments on we do get to read them all though when we come off air but our apologies if we didn't get to all of your comments we will as I say be back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock on to the line Patricia Messenger look after yourself and stay safe Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. 
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Undaria Algae Body Oil and Undaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.